The following Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, October 4th, 2021. The woman in your life will do what she must do to comfort you and calm you down and let you rest now. The woman in your life, she can rest so easily. She does everything you do because the woman in your life is you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Women's Spaces. My name is Elaine B. Holtz, and I'm your host. And with me at the board is my friend, my partner, my engineer, and my co-producer, Ken Norton. Good morning, Ken. Good morning. What a beautiful day here in Sonoma County. And man, yesterday, or rather Saturday, uh, October 2nd, we all marched and it was just wonderful, the gathering here in downtown Santa Rosa. Well, this morning I have a great show joining me in the studio. These are the first times that we actually have live people in our studio. I'm so excited. I think maybe this is a little bit, we're coming back to normal. Well, joining me in the studio this morning, uh, our first guest will be uh, our Sonoma County District. Attorney, not only our Sonoma County District Attorney, but the first woman district attorney in Sonoma County. And also, she just overcame a horrendous experience called a recall. And thank God, I mean, I can't be, I can't begin to tell you how concerned many of us were about this recall, but she was able to overcome it, and we're going to talk about it, and I'm really excited about that. And we're also going to talk about the Family Justice Center, which is one of what I would consider one of the biggest accomplishments as far as the community goes that Jill actually made to our community by giving this kind of service to women out there in a way that is very, very, very important. Also joining me with Jill will be the director of the Family Center, the new director. I just met her for the first time, Marsha Lucian. She will be sharing information on the services available at the center and how they were able to provide these wonderful, wonderful services during this pandemic. You know, it's very interesting. Programs don't stop. You know, maybe the whole world can stop. But these programs that are servicing and providing good information and good services for women must continue on. So it's very, very important that we support this action. Anyway, what a weekend we had. What a weekend. On Saturday, October 2nd, there was a women's march and rally. This was an important event as this was happening all across the country. And when I found out that there were over 700, over 700 uh, different uh, organizations across the United States that were involved. So hundreds and thousands of women came out in support of maintaining their right to choose. You know, folks, I have said this over and over and over again. I am not for abortion. I am not against abortion. But what I am for is I am for choice. You know, it's real interesting. You have all these people running around, you know, I have I have freedom. I don't have to take a, you know, I don't have to get a vaccination. They got signs on it. My body my my body, my freedom. Well, I got news for you. That's how we feel about when it comes to abortion. It's a woman's choice. And there's a lot more involved than just abortion. You know, I mean, if they're going to take that away from us, all of a sudden one day, you know, I was talking to some young women when we were at the march on October, the the rally at on October 2nd, and there was a bunch of young women. And one thing I noticed, they were tattooed from head to foot. 
You know, when I was 16 years old, I tattooed myself. All I had was my initials on it. My mother just had a freak out, took me to the doctor and had it dug out, you know, and said, oh, don't you do this. That is the most unfeminine thing in the world you can do. And I put a little... uh tattoo on my knee where nobody saw it. That was my way of rebellion. But I was telling these young women, I said, you know something? They take away our right to choose. They take away our right to maintain our own body, and they're going to come around and say, you know something? You can't have those tattoos. Now, how do I know that to be true? Well, when I was 15, I had the audacity to come to school wearing pedal pushers, a black top, gold earrings, and red lipstick. And I walked into the classroom. Next thing I know, the teachers almost got me by the ear, take me to the vice president's office. And they suspended me for a whole week and said, she doesn't understand that there's a dress code. My mother called the school and says, you suspended her for a week? Well, she's happy. You know, now she's going to sleep late, not get any education. So you really did have not taught her a lesson. So it's very, very interesting. We don't realize that choice goes beyond abortion. It's a very, very deep desire for most of us to control our bodies. You know, the Native Americans believe that we come from the stars, And in a way, if each one of us is a star, that means each one of us is a planet into ourselves. It's our bodies, ourselves. And that's very important that we recognize that. And I I found something very interesting on Facebook. In fact, I don't know, Facebook was down this morning, but I found it last night. And I'm going to read this. And in a way, it sounds harsh, but sometimes you have to just lay it out there. You just have to say it. So this is what they're saying. To all Republicans who insist on banning abortion because it kills innocent humans. So do chemical spills in our water. Can you believe it? A spill, an oil spill in Newport Beach? Do you know who New, where Newport Beach is? It's the playground of the world. It's the most gorgeous beaches you ever saw. When I was a child, when I was a teenager, that was the big deal. We would go to Newport, and we would have barbecues there. It was a marvelous white sand, beautiful beach. And to think there was an oil spill there. I mean, and what's so interesting, you know, this is, this is the irony of all. The wealthy live in Newport Beach. The people who are resisting climate change live in Newport Beach. So I hope this is a wake-up call for all of them to understand that our planet is in peril. And if our planet are in peril, then our children's future is in peril. And we have to remember that. This idea is that abortion kills human, human beings. So do chemical spills in our water and gun rampages in our malls and our schools and starvation because mothers can't earn a living wage even working 60 hours a week and curable diseases when parents have no access to affordable health care. This is how we maintain human life. I mean, when the baby is born, it comes out, it needs things. And yet, while you sanctimoniously stick your nose in my family's planning choices, you have smugly opposed every attempt at safety regulations, gun control, raising the minimum wage, and the ACA. It's hypocritical. It doesn't make sense to me. In my mind... As women, we need to put the children first and their and their future. You know, the Native Americans say, "Wow, seven generations." I mean, that's that's a long time that you have to plan for seven generations. Amazing. 
Well, let's go back to the March show, this rally on October 2nd, you know, get <laughs> something really positive. I mean, there were so many people there. And I want to do a shout out. I want to do a shout out to Janet Reynolds and to Sandy Reynolds and to Pat Sable of the Democratic Party that they pulled it together in such a marvelous way. And I'll tell you, Pat, if you're listening, you are the greatest MC in this whole world. I have never enjoyed an MC so much. And it was very interesting. A child was missing during when I was speaking. All of a sudden, Pat came up to the microphone and she said, took the microphone for me. And I thought, wow, this is interesting. And this little girl, Matilda, was missing. And the crowd got real excited. You know, we got to find Matilda. What was she wearing? You know, everybody is real worried. All the women are, you know, it's like the crowd is starting to disperse. And suddenly they found Matilda. And everyone just sighed with relief, you know, and I sighed with relief. I remember when my daughter, I lost her in Macy's one day, and she was playing in the clothes racks. And we had the security and everybody and his brother looking for her. And when I finally found her, the feeling in my heart, it's like my heart stopped until I found her. And then when finally we found her, oh, what a relief. Well, I took that as an opportunity because I saw how concerned everybody was about that child. And we all are concerned about children. But it's not just our child. Because we have to remember when one child is injured, when one child is hurt, when one child is killed because of a war, some sort of accident or some sort of gun issue, that could happen to anybody's child. And, you know, people say, oh, it's not going to happen to me. Uh Uh-uh, you never know. I can't believe in my lifetime in my lifetime, I have seen this. Just recently, my husband, Ken's niece's husband's mother was just stand was walking across in a in a crosswalk where the light was in her favor. Someone read a ran a red light, boom, hit her, and that was the end of her life. Who would ever think that would happen? But life is a precious gift, and each and every day, you never know. You just never know. That's why when I get up in the morning, I say, thank you, Creator. Thank you for another day. And when I go to sleep at night, I say, thank you, Creator. No disasters today. I don't want to hear any bad news, and I'm really grateful that it was a good day. Well, I want to do another shout-out, and this is very important because we have youth on the move. You know, when I think of it, youth on the move. So I want to read this. This is from the Healdsburg uh, paper here in Sonoma County. Immigrant, this is just very important. These are young people. These are young people that are marching all the way from Santa Rosa to Healdsburg. Immigrant rights advocates took to the streets and roads of Sonoma County Sunday morning in a show of support for undocumented workers and what they called an effort to walk the walk. The immigration debate. And what they're really saying is walk the walk is let's get some good reform going. Let's, let's have some laws and rules that people can live by and understand. I mean, myself personally, I'm only a first generation on my father's side. He was born in Poland. My grandmother, I'm on my grandmother's side and my mother's side, I'm only second generation. So I understand the immigrant struggle coming to the country, trying to learn the language. It took my grandmother 32 years before she finally had the courage to become a citizen. And I'll never forget when Grandma voted. I will never forget it as long as I live. I could see her in the bo- in the voting polls. They used to have these funny little voting polls. And there she was with her black shoes. And she came out. She put her arm around me. I was about nine years old at the time. 
And she says, Elaine, you must always vote because in America, the police don't break down your doors and pull you away. And I never forgot that. And so, therefore, I voted in every election I could have voted in. So it's very important. And there are these young people. They we were we are walking 12 miles in the name of 12. Oh, my goodness. 12 million undocumented people, said organizer Renee Sacito. We've waited long enough. It's been decades and decades. So what are they saying? They want immigration reform, something that we can understand. And I do not understand why the powers that be cannot sit down. I mean, I know as women, I mean, I ran the organization, the National Organization for Women as President. Whenever I wanted to do something, we all sat down, we had a meeting, we looked at the pros, we looked at the cons, and then we went and did it. Why is that so complicated? Besides, these people are earning some good, good salaries. And not only that, when they retire, they have lifetime salaries. And it mean to tell me they can't sit down and decide to make an immigration reform? It's beyond me. So a shout out to these young people. And, you know, I don't know if they're right or wrong. I really don't. But I know there's such a thing called freedom. There's such a thing called the American dream. And people come here because they feel maybe they're safe. But, you know, it's starting to change. And we need to, we really need to look at that. Well, as we do every week, we do our history is our strength. And, you know, I want to just do a shout out for all the people. You know, one thing you might think it's kind of silly. Why am I mentioning all these names? Because when people volunteer, when people stand up to the plate and say, I'm going to volunteer, that means they have no pay and it's their heart that's bringing them to the podium. They need recognition and they need a thank you. Because when you, th- you know, what do you remember more than anything? You remember how someone makes you feel if they say thank you, if they respect you. So let's just do a shout out. These are all the people. These are all the people that spoke. There were two letters that came in from Congressman Mike Thompson and Congressman Jared Huffman. They were stuck in Washington, D.C., having to work on the infrastructure. I thought that was really interesting. You writing me a note, Ken? Oh, okay. She's letting me. <laughs> anyway, we had Congressman Mike Thompson and Congressman uh, Jared Huffman. They, they brought a, they sent a letter of acknowledgement for the rally and it was, it was absolutely stunning. I mean, I am really impressed. I mean, I've always been impressed with, especially Congressman Mike Thompson. I mean, he's just an amazing man. He reminds me of my grandfather. <laughs> anyway, and then who was up there but Senator Mike McGuire? What a fireball he is. He fired everybody up. I mean, he was just outstanding. And like I said, Pat Sable was the, uh, was the MC and he, she was actually one of her students. So it was this, this labor, this love coming together between the two of them and then him giving the speech. And then of course myself, I was really excited and I'm going, I'm going to put my speech on the air. Uh, the last Monday of the month. You know, we do the pledge the last Monday of the month. Well, this was a speech about the pledge and getting people to do it. So we're going to do that at the end of the month. You'll be able to hear my speech. I have to confess to you, folks, I was really impressed with myself. <laughs> 
was really amazing. It really was. Also, also speaking was Vice Mayor from Santa Rosa, Natalie Rogers. Uh, there were several chants. We had Nicole Lim. We had Jackie Elwood from uh, Roner Park. She's also the Vice Mayor. And I'll tell you, I'm in love with Jackie Elwood. She's just such a beautiful spirit. I mean, her life, her life experience has just been amazing. Uh, my dear friend, Esther Lemus, who's just been through, oh my God, Esther, she just has the courage and the fight. I mean, I, I just really admire her. And then we had Nick Lawrence, Jasmine Gordito, and Lauren Mendelson. And Lauren Mendelson was a Native American and ended the ended the uh, presentations and it was just so powerful. I could not believe it. It was just amazing. Well, we're going to do our history is our strength. We got to move through this show pretty quickly. Um, today, October 4th, Barbara Walters became the first woman to co-anchor the evening news at ABC. Well, congratulations, Barbara. And then on October 4th, this is really exciting. Youth Bader Ginsburg joins the U.S. Supreme Court as its second woman justice. What a day October 4th was. I mean, lots to think about, lots to be excited about. And then October 8th. Another one of our favorite, favorite people, Toni Morrison, became the first African-American woman to be to win the Nobel Prize for Literature. Every woman out there should take time to read Toni Morrison's books and information. I mean, she really gives you a picture that is worth looking at. And then on October 5th, this is very important too, and this really, this is in my heart, because at one time I was a very conservative person. I was not anti-war until the Vietnam War came about when I was a journalism major, and I ended up interviewing 50 paraplegic young men, and when I walked out of there, that was it. That was it. No more wars. No more killing. Let's stop. Let's take that money and feed each other. Let's take that money to have organizations that, that work on peace, that we can work on equality. Well, May Lin, artist and architect of the Vietnam Memorial in Washington, D.C., and it is so, so touching when you look at that and you look at the names and the sacrifices. You know, in 19, she went to Washington, D.C. and from 1980 to 1982 and she made these sculptures and she also did the Vietnam War. Wow, so amazing. And we're going to take a musical break. And when we do take a break and we come back, we're going to be talking to real Jill Ravage. We talk about our history is our strength. Well, Jill herself has made history here in Sonoma County, and we are going to talk about that. And then the next thing we're going to do is we're going to take a musical break. And I love this song. And I dedicate this to all women, you know, to Esther Lemus, to Jill Ravish, to all the women that go through these struggles to stay where they are. You know, oftentimes men say, oh, these uppity women. Well, I like uppity women. I'm an uppity woman myself. (laughs) Anyway, the song I will be playing is She Will Rise by Sandy Rapp. And I'm I'm happy to announce that I actually made friends with Sandy Rapp. And it looks like I might have her on the show. And she has done some great political songs. But this one is strictly for women. She Will Rise, sung by uh, Sandy Rapp. And when we come back, we will be talking to Sonoma County District Attorney Jill Ravage. Do you hear what they're telling in the street? How the goodly poet made a prophecy. Hear it now, hear it loud. 
that spoke of Hillary Did you see the silver writing on the screen From the poet who knew why the caged bird sings Speaking straight back in 08 She said rise and rise is right again today To be, and not to be afraid, not to be afraid when things are flown at you, because when you know who you are, you stand straight in your own beliefs, and you can handle anything. I really believe that. Well, for you just joining us, I want to remind my listeners that the opinions presented here are not necessarily the opinions of the station, its board of directors, its members, or women's spaces. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Women's Spaces, and I'm your host, Elaine B. Holtz. And without further ado, I want to introduce my first guest. Joining me in the studio, the first human being I've seen almost two years in the studio is our <laughs> Sonoma County District Attorney, Jill Ravage. Welcome, Jill. Welcome to Women's Spaces. Thank you, Elaine. It's great to be here. You Although, what about Ken? You have seen another human being, haven't you? <laughs> no, right. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's a, good, that's a good one, Jill. Excuse me, Ken. I'm really sorry about that. Hold you to that. <laughs> well, before we begin, Jill, is it okay if I tell folks just a little bit about you? Sure. Well, Jill Ravage is the Sonoma County District Attorney, and she is the first female district attorney uh, in Sonoma County elected uh, to the office. And, you know, I remember when I first met Jill, she was at the no, – no, we had a group called the No Name Group. And, oh, my God, she was so excited and so nervous at the same time. And I said, you know something? You're going to make it. You're going to make it. And we knew she <laughs> was going to make it. We were going to be behind her 1,000%. Uh, she opened, she's very proud that she's had three terms uh, 
And we found out she's not going to be running for a fourth term, and we'll be talking about what she might be doing what afterlife when you become a district attorney. What do you do after that? I mean, it seems like you're up here, and then all of a sudden it's, hey, where am I? Uh, she started, she opened the Family Justice Center to help victims of abuse, whether they be children, elders, or family members. Jill... Uh, office also leads the Human Traf- uh, Trafficking Task Force, and she serves in an advisory role in a number of boards. She is an adjunct uh, professor teaching criminal law to first students at Empire Law School. Uh, she holds a, a, a BA, I believe, uh, from UC Berkeley, and in 1987, she received her law degree from the University of San Francisco Law School. So congratulations. Is there anything else that you would like to add, Jill? Well, I think that's probably enough, uh, and uh, I'm just thrilled to be here with you, Elaine, and with you, Ken, again. Uh, we've all been together on many occasions, and I hope this won't be the last opportunity before I leave my office. Well, it's really wonderful to have you, and you know, I know many, many women that I have talked about. We've talked many, many times about the recall, and I think I really admire the fact that you're willing to talk about it, you're willing to talk about what you went through. So tell me, how do you feel? I mean, you look so different now, now that the recall is over. I feel the old that Jill is back, you know. Tell me, how do you feel about it, and what were some of your challenges during that time? Well, I think Marcia knows more than uh, many because uh, she saw what I was going through at a professional level in the office, it was like walking around with a load of bricks on my shoulders. I'm really glad that it's gone now. It's all in the rearview mirror. And I want to give a shout-out to everybody who went and voted against the recall. The the outcome of that was just astounding. Eighty percent of the voters said no recall. And that sent a very strong message to this angry bully, and I'm really proud of that. Because it wasn't about me. It really wasn't. No, it wasn't. It was about someone who thought that he could control Sonoma County politics with his pocketbook. And the voters resoundingly said, absolutely not. We don't want that kind of stuff here. Well, you know, as a district attorney, especially a female district attorney, because I don't care what anybody says, you add the word female to it, and there's another there's another level of challenge that we we all have to stand up a little bit stronger than, say, a male our male counterpart. So what were some of the things that you learned? I mean, what are some of the strengths you got out of this that you would like to share? Because I think when someone like yourself goes through something like this, they have so much to share with women to help them to overcome, because most women are afraid to speak out, let alone go let alone go through a recall like this. Yeah. So well, what are some of the things you learned? I learned I learned a lot about community. I learned a lot about how people I didn't even know were out there supporting me. I learned a lot about the strength of togetherness. I learned a lot about myself and my family because my family was dragged into this and it was very emotional for all of us. But at the end of the day, I learned that Sonoma County really is this wonderful place and I'm so glad I've lived here for 31 years. And to be able to serve as district attorney is just the capstone on my my experience here in this county. But what it really says is money can't buy politics in Sonoma County. And I hope anybody who's thinking about accepting a dime from this man will look at what happened, will read the articles about who he is, what he did, and why he did it, and will say, no, thank you. I don't need your money. I'm running based upon what I believe to be right for this community. Very important. Very important. Yeah, but unfortunately, money controls politics. And, uh, you know, it's terrible, but in order to get your message out, you need money. May, so. I, may, may I correct you? It looks like money, correct, 
runs politics. But when push comes to shove, man, it's the vote. And, you know, people got to realize, they say, oh, your vote doesn't count. Your vote doesn't count. Well, you're here to say. Oh, yeah. I'm here to say otherwise. Well, you know, in my first race, you may remember, Elaine, I ran against the incumbent. I came within 1,700 votes. Right. I remember that. And I got in on the last day. And, And that's when I learned better than ever before. Every vote counts. And you mentioned earlier about your grandmother. It's so important. Everybody should seize the opportunity to speak truth to power by just uh, voting whenever the opportunity presents. Well, also, that's in the in the world of democracy, that's what makes democracy work, is the fact that we can choose our leaders. We can say no to something like this, or we can say yes to it. That's true. And I was also relieved that our governor did not get recalled. That was another issue like this. Yeah. And, you know, folks, politicians are not perfect, you know. I mean, I know when I was president for the National Organization of Women, sometimes I, I, I think, wait a minute, I don't want to go there. And I had to compromise, you know. I had to I had to maybe say something or do something that I thought, well, you know, but but you have to compromise. You have to work with people. It's very important. Well, let's get to the present because okay. I like the present. I like the present too. The, pre- the present <laughs> is an actually present. You know, one of the programs you was in, you were you inspired was the Human Trafficking uh, Trafficking Task Force. Talk a little bit about that. You know, what are some of the things you found out in this area, and what are some of the solutions that you suggested? I mean, that's a very I remember when I sat on the Human Rights Commission. That was the first time that came up, that there was such a thing here. I was shocked. In our county, we have human trafficking? You know, you think Sonoma County is this pure, but it's not. So talk a little bit about that. Well, we do have a human trafficking problem here in Sonoma County because it's so easy to get here. We're right off so many major thoroughfares, 101, Highway 80, uh, 5. And so uh, it's easy enough to drop somebody off, have them trafficked, pick them up, take them to the next location. And right now what we're seeing is gang members are running uh, their girlfriends and uh, using them as bait, and it's all about money again. And they will uh, give them drugs to pay them, and we're seeing younger and younger girls being trafficked here in Sonoma County. But the task force brings a number of different groups together, law enforcement, community-based organizations, my office, health care providers, and we're all working together to make sure that we're aware of the problem, we're alerting the public to the problem, and we're finding good solutions to the problem. You know, when you, you say money again, you know, I, I go back to, you know, in the 70s, uh, rather the 80s, when I worked for CETA, uh, the Comprehensive Employment and Training Act. I was one of their administrators. I don't know if you know this, but we were administering $13 million to this yep. community. Yep. And it seemed like the crime rate was less. We never heard of human trafficking and all these different programs. In fact, I went to more graduations of Hispanic and African-American people than you could imagine because, you know, we were writing the grants and, you know, they had a special, we had a special relationship. So once they, you know, students graduated, they wanted us to come and see, you know, the results of what we were doing. Do you think that if we had better programs, say for youth or for, you know, more jobs, more opportunity, do you think that would be lesser of a problem? Do you think this is jumping up because of the economics? Sure. It's always the economics. I mean, you've got great disparity between different socioeconomic groups in our county. You've got a population growth. You've got all kinds of issues compounding the situation, the uh, availability of narcotics, the lack of social services. 
after-school programs for kids who are at risk, uh, opportunities for their parents so that they can be home more with their kids and not working two jobs, maybe more, trying to deliver so that they can afford the expensive housing in this community. I mean, it's just all compounded. It really... But I I do think Sonoma County has more nonprofits in this county than almost any other county in the Bay Area. And those nonprofits are delivering. And the people in this community are supporting those nonprofits. So even though we're seeing a rise in violence, even here in Sonoma County, we're combating it by addressing the problem earlier. Upstream investments, getting our kids into preschool. We are doing a great job here in Sonoma County. Well, it's really, it's really good to hear because I know, I know at that time, during that time when I was working with Seed and we, I, I started at Athena House and then moved up. Moved still up there. To that, it's know. still there. And Athena House is still there. I mean, it was, it was a nominal, you know, all of a sudden women and I used to go in front of Judge Pascualacqua. Yeah. And he'd go, Oh, Miss, I was Pine then. Oh, Miss Pine, who are we saving today? I says, Judge Pascalaco, <laughs> we're not saving anybody. We're just giving a woman an opportunity to change her life around. Yep. Yep. He says, well, you got me beat, Elaine. And so he would give me every woman. So it was an amazing program. So I'm glad, I'm glad, I'm glad you said that. Well, we're going to talk again about the, when, when Marcia comes on, we're going to talk about the Family Justice Center. But I just want to get a little idea from you. You know, that was a huge project to take on. What, what motivated you? You know, there was at one time, a, a, I think it was a women's law center. And then all of a sudden it felt like, all of a sudden, this Family Justice Center came, and it, it felt like everything came together. Can you talk a little bit what your motivation for that was? So Marie DeSantis, rest in peace, was in charge of the Women's Justice Center, oh, right, Marie and DeSantis. she was oh, God, phenomenal. Yes. Yeah, she did a great job. Oh. She focused on women who were victims of uh, domestic violence and sexual assault, and she was a fierce advocate for them and did a great job. The Family Justice Center has a wider reach. And what we've done here in Sonoma County is we've put together a center that provides wraparound services, and we're going to talk about that with Marsha. It is a DA-led initiative, and it is a uh, model that is now international, which is fantastic. I mean, it's all about collaboration and cooperation. Uh, And the need was here, and I have to always give my predecessor credit. He was part of the planning stages for the Family Justice Center. I can't take complete credit for it. But as soon as I was elected, I was told, it's coming. you got to make it successful. So get busy. And so I did. And we opened uh, 10 years ago this month. Wow. Uh, oh, right. You're going to be having August. It was August. Oh, wow. 10 years ago, August. We're in our 11th year now. So excited. We've got a big event on Wednesday that we're going to talk about. And since we've opened, we have literally saved thousands of lives because of the incredible dedication of the people at the Family Justice Center and the support of the community at large. It's just, it's a it's a work in progress. Well, you talk about wraparound. What do you mean by wraparound? Okay, so Family Justice Center offers wraparound services for victims of domestic violence, sexual assault, elder abuse, and child abuse. And Marcia Lucian is our current director. She's here with me today, and you're going to introduce her in a minute. But in essence, what we found was that victims of crimes of those types were making almost two dozen trips around the county to get the services they needed, wow. whether it was a restraining order, advocacy services, housing, mental health, uh, working with prosecution, they give up, right? Oftentimes, oh, yeah. oh, but the embarrassment. 
embarrassment, the hassle of getting from one point to another and not having a vehicle. Maybe they have children in tow. It goes on and on and on. So what we did is we reached out to all the service providers that might touch that type of a victim, and we said, would you be willing to come under one roof, work together to provide the services so that if the victim comes to this one location, all the services are available in one spot? And they all said, I'm in. And they're still in. We have the same partners working with us today that said, I'm in 10 years ago. So that's kind of exciting. So in essence, when you come to the Family Justice Center, services are provided at no cost. We have trained navigators whose job it is to do the initial assessment. They have a specific tool that they're using to ask specific types of questions to begin to understand what the client needs are. And then they have the other advocates available used to be on site but now it's virtual (laughs) to provide all the advocacy services and assistance that a client might need ranging from just having somebody to begin to talk to to having clothing because a lot of people only have the clothing on their backs to having some food available for them for their children uh, to having transportation to the safe house if need be if they need a place to save stay we also have vouchers now for clients that include housing gasoline food uh, it just goes on and on and on, and I'm going to turn it over to Marcia to fill it in further because she's the on-the-ground well, let's, let's. supervisor. But I'm really proud of the work that we've done at the Family Justice Center, and what's really interesting is our model has been seen as sort of the gold standard for family justice centers, and people have come to view what we do and to learn from us, and as a result, they've opened centers all over the country. And then, as you may know, Elaine, I was privileged enough to be invited to go to Africa. I went to Zambia in 2019, and that was all about talking about family justice centers, particularly child advocacy centers, and working with prosecutors to train them in the area of child advocacy in the country of Zambia. It was absolutely fascinating. Oh, my God. I didn't know that. That is amazing. Well, congratulations. I mean, that we are a model. I mean, Sonoma County is a model for so many things. I don't know what it is about us. It must be the climate. It's just an amazing, amazing (laughs) It's the spirit of the people who live here. Exactly. Well, you were coming to the end of the segment. Any last words? And then we're going to take a musical break. Any anything? Anything? Well, if you and when we come in with Marsha, if there's anything you want to join in or anything, you know, just feel feel free. Well, I, again, I want to thank everybody for standing up against this bully in this recall election for continuing to support me to support my office. We're dedicated to serving the members of this community, and it's been an honor and a privilege to serve. And it's always fun to come on with you and with <laughs> Ken. And I hope we'll have an opportunity to talk more before. Before I finish. Oh, it's wonderful. No, no, Jill. Thank you so much. Well, we're going to take a musical break now. You know, I can, you know, I'll tell you something. I, I'm a little bit stoked up about this whole interview. You know, everybody has their opinion and you got to go with your heart. You know, you know, people, you know, you know, everybody's doing the very best they can. And, and we have to recognize that and we help them be better when things happen like this, when we support the injustices that sometimes that go on. So it's a very, very important lesson for all of us. Well, we're going to take a musical break, and I love this song because I dedicate this to every woman that showed up at the march or the rally on on, uh, on Saturday, October 2nd. It's sung by Lydia Violet, Ain't Gonna Let Anybody Turn Me Around, a song that's so timely at this time because, no, we are not going backwards. We are going forward. We are going forward with more women in politics, more women in office, and we have a right to choice. We have a right to choice. 
And we must always remember that and never like sight of it. When we come back, we'll be talking with Marsha Lucian, who is the newly uh, hired director for the Family Justice Center, and she's going to give us all kinds of great information. So let's go ahead and play that song, Ken. tell you that much and let me tell you something they try they have tried you know when i was a young girl going to kindergarten i'll never forget as long as i live there on my report card they wrote elaine should understand that children should not be seen and not heard and i go what uh-uh and there i was speaking at the rally and i thought i remember that i says god i wonder, I wonder how that teacher mrs warwick was her name if she saw me Anyway, welcome back. You're listening to Women's Spaces, and I'm your host, Elaine B. Holtz. And for this segment, I have Marsha Lucian, the, the newly appointed Executive Director of the Family Justice Center in Santa Rosa. Welcome, Marsha. Welcome to Women's Spaces. Hello, Elaine. Thank you for having me. You've come full circle, right? You've gone from, hey, not being able to talk in class to talking in front of a rally. I, I call that full circle. <laughs> oh, definitely full circle. And you know... 
it's really interesting how how you do that, and the way the way you do it is you know who you are, and you're not afraid to stand up. So I'm going to tell the folks a little bit about you. Okay, is that okay, Marcia. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, Marcia is the newly appointed executive director of the Family Justice Center. She's a seasoned nonprofit professional who has worked with many of the community's most vulnerable populations. Before switching to the new profit sector, Lucien worked as a probation officer for about a decade in Solano and Alameda, Alameda County. So you're new to Sonoma County. I am, yes. Well, welcome. <laughs> she holds an MBA from the University of Phoenix and is using her experience in philanthropy and the public sector to lead the Family Justice Center into a new and a dynamic period in service for survivors, upholding the simple but impactful message. We believe... Made so uh, we believe survivors. That's so important. Yeah. Why is that important, Marcia? We believe survivors. Why is that important to say? Well, I think oftentimes when um, people find themselves in a traumatic situation or crisis, and they get up the courage to tell someone, there's always that fear that they won't be believed because historically that has been what has happened, right? You tell something and it gets brushed off, it gets shoved under the rug, the victim somehow has to, you know, defend themselves against accusations when in fact uh, the person that should be getting the grunt of that is um, is the offender. So uh, I think it's important for people to know that when they come to the FJC, we believe survivors. We're going to listen to your story. We're going to help you to get the services that you need in order to start making new steps and changing that pain into power. So that's what we're about there. It's a very simple statement in terms of we believe survivors, but it is gigantic in its um, in its message and deep-rooted in what so many survivors have had to struggle with. Well, you know, it's interesting, the experience that I had. I worked at Athena House, which was a, an alternative to incarceration for women, and I was stunned to hear the stories and the lack of support that was out there for women and Absolutely. how important how important these programs are. Do you think the Me Too and all that has really up up your your participation of people, more and more people are coming out because there's more honesty about it. I think that people are feeling a little bit more empowered, right? So when you uh, see someone share their story and you have a similar experience or a similar story, you're like, okay, they were able to do that. That message was received. Maybe I can do the same thing. And so I think that people are feeling more empowered. And with that comes courage right and they're they're given the courage to get out there and share their story so yes would be the short answer um but again that is such a um like dynamic process for a person to get to from a place of being afraid and being ashamed and being embarrassed to i don't have anything to be ashamed about i'm going to share this story in hopes that not only can i get help and heal that maybe someone else will be able to benefit from that as well well you know it's interesting when you think about women there's so much pressure put on us you know like the the thing one of the things that offends me more than anything when all of a sudden people start talking about well if the girls wouldn't dress that way if they wouldn't be so provocative well you know something we live in a culture you know, you they watch television. They want you know they have their idols, and this is the way they're going to dress. That's not really an excuse. 
you know, men need to control, whoever their perpetrator is needs to actually control themselves. And that's a hard thing to learn. And I think that was one of the things that came out in the march about putting the responsibility on everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, the, it's everybody is involved in it. It's, it's really a very important, important thing. Well, you know, talk a little bit about some of your nonprofit experiences <laughs> that brought you to this place of such deep understanding. And I'm sure you had, it sounds like you had your own personal experience, which we, we don't have to get into. But how, what, what did the other nonprofits help you and, and bring you forward to this place? Well, and what attracted you to Sonoma County? <laughs> Sonoma County is beautiful. What's not to love about being here? That's like an easy no-brainer kind of an answer. It's gorgeous here. The people are phenomenal. Uh, I've had uh, nothing but great experiences since I've been here. So it's been um, a fantastic choice. Uh, in terms of my nonprofit experience, it came from uh, Volunteers of America in Sacramento. We um, There we worked with all types of vulnerable populations, so residential drug treatment programs, perinatal programs, uh, programs for transitional housing for families, programs for foster youth. Um, and I think that my work as a probation officer where you get to see all of these different families and kind of how they end up in um, the judicial system, and then you're thinking, okay, well, what what's the piece before that, right? What's the piece before that? And that was kind of how I went from probation to nonprofit. And then once I got... Uh, fully into nonprofit, you're always thinking about the things that you can do that are just the most impactful for those families. Uh, what's going to help to help them to navigate through crisis? What's going to help them overcome trauma? And you're trying to figure out all the different pieces to the puzzle, how that's going to fit together so that it's seamless in their service that they aren't like traumatized again by having to tell their stories over and over and over again and you're doing things that are like trauma informed and you're doing things that are evidence based and you know they work and people have success well you know time goes by really quick when you're in the studio so in light of what you're saying which is so important what are some of the services that the, right now that you're able to provide for women? And also, I understand that you're going to be having an open house yes. celebrating 10 years. 10 years. If you can bring, that, <laughs> bring that in. But what are the services, you know, and, and I can tell, you know, by listening to you, how you see the importance that there's a, each person has a whole picture. Yeah. It's not just you're a bad person. No. You're, it's, it's just a whole picture. So talk about some of the services that are offered and who is eligible. Is everybody eligible? Sure. So I think Jill did a good job of outlining all of our services. Thank you, Jill. Uh, So advocacy could be assistance with restraining orders. It could be counseling. It could be uh, survivor groups. Um, You name it, we pretty much have it within the FJC umbrella. Um, Everyone is eligible if you are living in Sonoma County and you have been the victim of domestic violence, sexual assault, or child abuse. That is the only... uh, And and it's very private. I mean... Correct. Absolutely. Um... Uh, we're not going to be sharing your information with anybody. Uh, everything is confidential. The services are free, and it's regardless of your ability to pay or your immigration status. So I thought I should mention that because you know some people are concerned about being able to come in and get services if they are undocumented. That is not an issue for us at the FJC. Um, let's see. Uh, what was the last part of that question that you laying? Well, just the services. Yes, and those are the services. It's confidential, absolutely. And the thing that I'd like to remind people is that um, we're going to meet you where you're at. So it doesn't necessarily have to be 
uh, I had this big blow up over the weekend. I'm leaving today. We we do provide services for that. But what if you're just thinking about it and you want to find out how that goes? We'll help with that too. If you're trying to figure out a safety plan, we can do that. So it's as much or as little as a client might want. Um, they get to set the pace. We're not forcing anything on them. They get to set the pace about how much or how little of the services they want to participate in. So I, I feel like that's important to say. Yeah, and and I just want to say, it, in spite of the pandemic, we've continued to provide these yes. wraparound services. They have developed a virtual model. <laughs> oh, I know. So nobody actually physically comes to the FJC now, but we handle it through the phone call. We handle it through Zoom meetings. It's just amazing that we can continue to provide these wraparound services. And we've also transitioned from a trauma unit because we really used to deal with people initially and then give a warm handoff to other agencies. Now we have ongoing mental health services available. As Marcia said, there's a survivor's group that meets regularly. They do things like painting, art therapy, things yeah, like that. Yeah. And then Marcia was just a camp counselor. Oh. We're sending kids <laughs> from domestic violence households up to uh, Shasta County to go to camp for a week. It's a therapeutic camp. It's an opportunity for them to be like any other kid and just have a terrific time. And Marsha went up with them this summer I to did. see what it was I had about. a blast. And it's an opportunity for kids to just be with other kids who had similar experiences. And um, they also have uh, different activities that build on like self-confidence and self-reliance and those types of things. Building hope. The whole camp is about building hope and their building. resilience. It's amazing. And they were just a phenomenal group of kids. We had a great time. I was exhausted, but it was so much fun. And, and, then, <laughs> but, they, and then they continue. They yeah, continue and it's a to mentorship get together, program. So it fosters yeah. relationships. Yeah. Well, you know what? What's, you know, I have to say this: it's women power. You know, I mean, it just. I, I'm sorry. I just have to say it. I mean, I can just. I can feel it. You know, there's something. There's just something a little. Uh, the twist is just a little bit different. Maybe I'm. Maybe I'm just biased. I don't know. Anymore. Well, we're coming to the end of our segment. Yes. Let's talk about that open house, yes. and you could invite everybody. In fact, I. I think Ken. I says we. We. It looks like we're going to have something to do Wednesday. Come on out. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So we are celebrating our tenure. You know. 10-year anniversary. So like Jill mentioned, it's been 10 years of FJC services. And um, it's going to be an Umbrella Street event. And so what we thought was really kind of um, symbolic was the overall protection of an umbrella, right? So not only do we provide an umbrella of services within the FJC continuum, right? All of these different nonprofits that work together to make sure that survivors are getting what they need, but it's also about protection and being able to make people feel safe and welcome and that when they come to the FJC, they're going to be heard. So we're going to be celebrating all of that, 10 years of doing that, on Wednesday from 3 to 6 p.m. at the Family Justice Center. And so the address for that is 2755 Mendocino Avenue. Uh, all of our providers are going to be out sharing about what they do and all the wonderful experiences there. We're going to have some snackums. We're going to have some speakers. It's going to be a great time, and we would love to have the community come out and celebrate uh, 10 years of doing this type of phenomenal work and helping the community to be able to to heal. So we're is, very excited about that. Is there any website that you have that people so can So yes, you? it's going to be it's on our um, FJC website which is fjcsc.org 
and it's listed under events. So that's on there. It's also on our Instagram and our Facebook pages. So you can link to that from the website as well if you're interested in getting more information about the events. Well, I definitely get the feeling of warmth and an invitation from just talking to you, Marcia. And then that, that sets the mood, you know. <laughs> you know, I've been a sales manager myself, you know, so I know the executive director, they set the mood. You ah. know? I mean, that, that's it. In fact, you know, it's really interesting. In, at Sutter Hospital, they have all these plants that and they're watered and everything. It's because a female runs up the whole organization. <laughs> so they got all these wonderful plants around. So thank you so much. Give us the website one more time, my friend. It's FJCSC. Dot org. Well, I want to thank you, Marcia Lucian, for being here, and congratulations on this position, you know, and I wish you all the luck in the world, and know any of your women's spaces is always available, any announcements, anything you need, don't hesitate to give me a call. And oh, let me thank know. you so much. Thank you for having me. Well, we are coming to the end of the segment, and I want to thank Jill Ravage, our Sonoma County District Attorney, the first female district attorney in Sonoma County. And hopefully not the last. <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> and Marcia Lucian, the director from the P- from the Family Law Center, I want to thank you so much, both of you, for being here for this wonderful, wonderful interview. And to my listeners, well, that's the end of the show. And like I do at every show at the end, I say one thing. Remember, our children are the future. We must never lose sight of that. Did you hear camp for children that have been abused, for parents of abuse that their parents might have had issues? Here they're providing camps and places people can go and heal. So support your family justice center. It's very important here in Sonoma County. Well, you've been listening to Women's Spaces. This is Elaine B. Holtz, and I'm your host. And I just want to remind people the reason I call myself Elaine B. is to remind myself I'm a beautiful child of the universe. I'm doing the best I can, and along with Ken Norton and I, this other human being sitting next to me, (laughs) we are both beekeepers, and I really, really appreciate that. I really do. And I want to do, again, a shout-out to all the wonderful, wonderful people that showed up at the event, and to remind you that the Family Law... uh, How do you pronounce it? Family Family Justice Justice Center Center is having their open house this Wednesday from 3 to 6. And and give us our address one more time, Marcia. It's 2755 Mendocino Avenue. You know, and if uh, you see me there, I'll have some of my pink cards with the pledge on it. I'll be happy to give you one. And this is been Elaine B. Holt. You've been listening to Women's Spaces. Thank you so much and I want to wish you a blessed day. The previous Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, October 4th, 2021.